today we have a guest speaker, uh, Dr. Joe Hantley. You know, he comes uh, highly recommended. Uh, both Joe and I, we serve at the Lausanne Movement, and Joe is the, the catalyst uh, for leadership. Joe is also the president and, uh, for Asian Access. Uh, the Ex Asian Access has been doing leadership training for church leaders and marketplace leaders for the last 55 years. I haven't met Joe before uh, until this morning, although we have Zoomed a few times, and I spent uh, a great one hour driving him from Bogor all the way down here before he's flying off today, by the way. Uh, so I had a great time and got to know Joe a little bit more. And also during the morning service, you know, Joe preached and it was a very inspiring uh, message. You know, at JCF, we, have, we want to be a, a church that disciples people. We want to fulfill the Great Commission. And by listening to Joe, I was really inspired. And, um, you know, it's, it's not that difficult, yeah, and, but there's a secret to it. And so Joe is, will tell us about the secret. Before I invite him to come, uh, let me pray. Father, thank you again for bringing you know, people from all over the world to be a blessing to us, to us here in Indonesia. Father, thank you for the unity that we have in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for the body of Christ, you know, that every people have a, play, have a part to play. And I thank you for bringing Joe and Silk over from America you know, to, to bless Indonesia. Thank you for the cohort that uh, has just graduated uh, last night. And so, Father, I just pray that you prepare our hearts, Lord, so that we can understand, we can hear uh, what it is, Father, you know, so that we can, we can fulfill you know, what you have told us to do, the Great Commission. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will prepare our hearts so that it will be soft, it will be you know, able to receive the seeds that will transform our lives and that will bring glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joe? Thank you. Yeah. So great to be with you. I'm excited about this day. And, um, you know, have you ever met somebody where within the first five, ten minutes, you feel like you're already family? That's what I felt like this morning when I met uh, Brother Suparno. We met on Zoom, but... Uh, his warmth of spirit is remarkable, and you could tell the synergy between the two of us in this one-hour uh, drive uh, here this morning. Um, and if he's anything like the rest of you, wow, I want to come back to your church. I can't wait. Um, it is a joy for me to be with you. As he said, uh, we graduated our first cohort of pastors uh, this week. Uh, they've been meeting together for four years Usually it's just two years, but they did four years because of the pandemic. Um, and what a joy it was being with them. My wife and I were actually backup speakers this week. I usually come for the graduation ceremony to give the commencement address. Uh, but our colleague, who's from Sri Lanka, interestingly enough, his, his visa was, not, was denied at the last minute. But it was really a God thing because his wife is in the hospital, and we've been praying for them. And so the Lord already had my wife in here to speak for commencement, 
So we were the, the pinch hitters, as we say in baseball in America, um, and we, we did a, a course on marriage and family this week. And I, maybe I'll give you a little hints of that throughout the message today. Um, but it, it was such a joy uh, being with this cohort uh, for the last several days. Um, it really is enlightening to see what God does in the lives of his people. And, and I hope and pray that today he might speak through us with one another. We want to listen to him in his spirit. And may his spirit penetrate your heart. And may he speak through me. I pray that I would decrease and that Jesus would increase today. And that you would hear his voice, not so much my voice. Um, and let me go to that first slide, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, give you a little context for this group that's been meeting. Uh, this is the motto for the ministry I lead called Asian Access, which you heard about earlier. Uh, we come alongside 12 to 15 leaders at a time over a two-year process, both for pastors and for marketplace leaders, and really try to go deep with their lives. And uh, this is our motto as a ministry. You see that up there? It says, changing the few who change the many. Now, right now, you're working through the, the gospel of Matthew. I was told that you've been kind of working your way through the book, which is wonderful. And then you came to a little pause where you have some special speakers coming, and, and I fit into that pause. And I thought, well, we better tie it to the book of Matthew. It's critical that, you know, the Word of God gets integrated uh, throughout the passage so that it fits into our lives as it flows out. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that today. Uh, but one of the things that we see throughout uh, the, gospel, the Gospels is this concept of changing the few who change the many. Jesus, when he was on earth, you know, he only had three years of ministry, I've been in ministry for three decades. Wow, you know, <laughs> but Jesus can pack a punch in just three years. And in those three years, he, he spent a very minimal amount of time with thousands of people. We only have a few stories in the Bible, interestingly enough, of Jesus speaking to the thousands. He, he, he uh, had the Sermon on the Mount, if you rem remember that, or you may remember the feeding of the 5,000. And there may have been like 10,000 people because they, they, they just counted a certain group. Um, and, but those are very few and far between in the, in, the, in the gospel stories. So he spent a little more time uh, preaching and teaching in synagogues. That would have been in groups maybe this size maximum. In fact, a lot of them would have been smaller. We're bigger today than Jesus' teaching in that era um, and so he spent the, the smallest amount of time with thousands. He spent a little more time in synagogues. And guess where he spent most of his time? He spent most of his time with 12 people. He journeyed in life with 12 people over three years and invested deeply in their lives. And at the end, he was about this phrase, changing the few who would change the many. When he was done with his uh, time with the disciples, he said, go and reproduce. Take what I've been given to you and do the same. And the gospel today is, is almost, not quite, but almost in every corner of the planet because people have been reproducing it little by little, just like Jesus. And today we want to uh, talk a little bit about this. 
In fact, uh, before we do that, though, I, I want to introduce my family. Uh, so the next slide. Um, you'll see my family up there. My beautiful wife is sitting right up here at front. Her name is Silk. Would you stand and say hello to everybody? Um, and I know you're thinking to yourself, what an unusual name. How does somebody get called Silk? I'm going to leave that as a teaser. So after the message, if you are curious, how in the world does somebody get the name like the fabric Silk? <laughs> you need to ask her afterwards. It's a great story. So I'm going to leave that teaser for you. Uh, she up there in that picture on the f- almost far right next to my son-in-law, the big guy, um, that's my wife, Silk. I'm on the opposite side, uh, the bald guy. Um, and and uh, the two of us have been married 32 years. On the left, either side of my wife, is our oldest daughter. She's 30. And her husband, Lowell. Um, and they've been married several years now. He works in the shipping docks near our house in Los Angeles. And, you know, think of this, imagine this, Los Angeles, huge shipping harbor worldwide. They have never automated the boats coming in and out. So his job is creating the automation systems for the port of Los Angeles. Uh, my, my daughter's job is very interesting. She's a part of a startup company that has an app. And in this app, they create dialogue over controversial issues. They try to present both sides of an issue, and they get people discussing it. You know, and in a world that's so polarized, we need to be talking to each other. And this is so critical. I I think what she's doing is important. Uh, In the middle is the married couple. Uh, They got married three years ago. And uh, that's my daughter, uh, the taller of the the three women. Um, And she is a, a, a visual journalist for one of the largest newspaper conglomerations in America. Her and her husband are both artists, and thank the Lord they're not starving artists. They're doing okay. (laughs) Um, And uh, she works for this newspaper company. Uh, He works for, he does art on the side. His main job is with cancer research, Uh, you know, creating new uh, kind of solutions to cancer. So I'm very proud of, of all my kids. And then next to me on the far right, not the bald guy, um, that'd be me, um, is my son, John, and he lives in Oxford right now. He's finishing a master's degree, hopefully this week, in political economy, and he just got a job in London, so he's moving there in September, and we'll kind of get started on his journey in life. And we're just proud of all three of our kids, and, and my wife and I found, find them a great joy in life. Um, but you're going to hear a little bit more about them later in the service. Um, let's talk about where we're going today. So next slide. Um, you have been working through the book of Matthew. And the book of Matthew, the main purpose is for um, the people to understand. This is written to the Jewish people of Israel. And their main purpose in the book of Matthew is try to convince them that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. Matthew went to great lengths to prove that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. The entire book is this kind of uh, looking back at the Old Testament and saying, here's the lineage, here's the background, here is the Messiah, because the Jews, most of them, did not believe. 
And so that's the background for which of the book that you've been working through. And, and a lot of the book is kind of principles of living. How do you live this life, this Christian life, this following of Jesus? And, and interestingly enough, we come to what I'd say is one of the most pivotal uh, parts of the journey. And this is the culmination of the book of Matthew. And I apologize now. I know you're preaching through the book. I'm going to give you a teaser to the end of the book altogether right now. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. So the entire book is giving you a picture that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. And as they unfold that and come to the end, the culmination of the entire book is this passage. Let's read it together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus talking to you and to me. At the end of the book of Matthew, this is our charge. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Remember that, always to the end of the age. So the book of Matthew, this is where you're heading. And I won't reveal everything your pastors are going to be leading you through these next few weeks. But this passage is critical because that's the roadmap that God's challenging us to. And you know what's interesting about this passage is that uh, in English, it sort of messes up the grammar and the language. Because in this passage in English, it looks like the word go is the command. But in actuality, if you were to translate that word accurately into English, it would say, as you are going. As you are going, make disciples. Now, what does that mean for people like my wife and I? We're missionaries. We've been called to go, right? Well, there are other passages in the Bible where we know God has called us to make disciples of all nations. But in this particular passage, the command, the charge for you and for me is to make disciples. That's what this passage is all about. And so as you move towards the end of the book of Matthew, you want to remember this important piece because that's the culminating factor. Yes, we know. We've seen the proof. Jesus is indeed the Messiah, predicted from the Old Testament Scriptures. However, He has a charge for you and for me. And that charge is that we might make disciples of all peoples. That is the charge He has given to you and to me. The beautiful thing, let's pull that passage up one more time. The beautiful thing of this passage that I really resonate with is all the responsibility is not on me. Even though the charge, the punch, is make disciples, notice what it says, the last phrase or the last sentence, and surely I am with you always, always, not sometimes, not once in a while. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of time. That is crucial because, friends, he walks with us in life. 
He's with us every step of the way. And so on this journey, on this calling to make disciples, it doesn't all rest on you or me. We have him empowering us, riding with us, filling us. And we're going to unpack that a little more today. But that, that's the concept here in Matthew chapter 28. As he charges us to make disciples wherever we're at. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about how we do this in the ministry I, I'm a part of called Asian Access. Next slide. We see a progression, and you'll notice this um, in this slide. We focus on four outcomes. If you notice very carefully, if you look at this picture, do you see the ripple effect going on? You know when you throw a rock into a river? Or you throw a rock into a, a pond or a, a lake? What happens? You start to see a little ripple effect happening from that rock where it hits and then the first ripple happens and it starts to flow out. And this is where it's pivotal for you and me in Jesus walking with us. If we want to make disciples, as I'll get later in the framework here, the critical starting point is where the rock first hits the water. And that's all about living in a love relationship with God. As we walk with God, He changes our life. He changes our attitudes, our perspectives, our, our values. And we become more and more like Him. And as we live in a love relationship with God, there He is with us to the very ends of the age. He will be with us always. As we walk with Him, then these other things can happen. What's number two? Growing as a Christ-like leader. There was a study as Suparno mentioned, that we are both a part of the Lausanne movement. In 2010, they had a big gathering in Cape Town, South Africa. And at that gathering, they unveiled a huge leadership study. And there were two problems. Christian leaders have two huge problems. Number one, we have problems with integrity. Who would have thought that? We're supposed to be better than that. And number two, we have problems with humility. Wow, ouch. We as Christian leaders struggle in two very basic aspects of leadership, a lack of integrity and a lack of humility. And so when we talk about growing as a Christ-like leader, the most important thing is your character. And in fact, it's not true for just pastors and missionaries like me. This is not true for just Christian leadership. This is true for everybody. Wherever you are, whether you're working down the street or going to the mall or, or at school, your character matters. Guess what? There are leadership studies done. I, I know because I just finished a PhD in leadership. There are secular studies that show Character is vital because if you have good character, people trust you. They know they can follow you. You're reliable. They can count on you and they'll follow you. And so character matters, my friends, even if you're not, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian leader. Wherever you're at, in school or the marketplace or on the street, your character counts. It's important in life 
Number three on that uh, slide up there um, is back to this passage in Matthew. We want to teach people to reproduce disciple-making leaders. That's what Jesus did. He spent most of his time with 12 people for three years, invested deeply in their lives, and said, go and reproduce yourself. Today, our work, not our work, meaning my work, God's work worldwide touches nearly every corner of the planet. Not quite everywhere, but almost everywhere. It is the single most reproducible model on planet Earth. If I were to ask you what is the biggest brand today, you'd probably say something like uh, Microsoft or Google or Apple or I don't know what you'd say. One of those kinds of companies, right? Alphabet, whatever they're called now. Um, and yet, none of those countries touch as many corners of the planet as Jesus Church today. Did you know that? Microsoft is not as well used or not as connected as God's church. There are corners of this planet that Google does not touch. But Jesus is there. And he's there through people like you and me that he's called to serve there. And that happens through this reproductive ministry. Finally, our goal, the fourth outcome, we call it planting churches that multiply. You're thinking, uh, that's not me, that's for pastors, you know? So how many of you uh, here today work in the marketplace somehow? You're, you're, a, you're in a marketplace career. Uh, go ahead, raise your hands. How many of you work? So it looks like quite a few of you. And I would guess that most of you, how many of you marketplace leaders, raise your hands if you're doing church planting? I don't think I see it. Oh, one hand, one hand maybe. No, oh no, okay. None of you. So for Asian Access, we've adopted, adapted this for you, for marketplace leaders, because God has called us all to be on mission. And he wants us to be a part of his mission in the midst of the marketplace. He wants you and me to be making disciples in the midst of the marketplace. What, what does that look like? You know, sometimes that, that you think of that, how do I do that? This is a busy world. How do I make disciples? Come on, Joe, you're asking too much. I work 70 hours a week. I, I need a break now and then. How am I supposed to get time to make disciples? Friends, I want to tell you, you don't have to have a PhD in theology to make disciples. It's very, very simple. As you lead your life in character, in front of good character, in front of other people, guess what? They are intrigued about you. They want to know, why are you so good? Why don't you get angry in this situation? Or, or when you do get angry, you actually apologize. Wow. And then they start to ask you questions. Why are you like this? And their curiosity is piqued. And they want to know, what is it about your life? And you can take them to coffee or, or to lunch and, and begin to unpack who you are and tell your story. You don't have to have in-depth studies of the scriptures to do that. It's very simple. It could be caring for your neighbor. You, you, you know, you find out that your neighbor has a need and you, you take care of them. And they're like, why are you doing that for me? And that's an opportunity 
for you to share about the love that Jesus Christ has for you. That's the simple stuff of making disciples. It's not rocket science. It doesn't take a PhD to do this. Um, but I do think there is one key secret sauce. And I want to let you know about the secret sauce of making disciples. Because you might be sitting there thinking, I could never do that. No way, Joe. I, I don't have the strength. Where is the secret sauce found? If God has commanded me to make disciples of all people, and think about it, here in this room, all people have come to us. How many cultures are in our room today? I mean, I look around this room and the diversity is amazing. And imagine that times 10 or 20 if you went out on the street right now. Or if you went to your marketplace uh, uh, office or, or the, the supermarket or the mall or your school. All places God has brought the nations to you. And as you are going, he wants you to make disciples. How do we do that? It feels like a heavy load, a big responsibility, a, a huge charge. How do we then do that? The next slide. This is the key and the secret to life. I believe this is the secret uh, sauce for all of Christian living is found in these few verses. This is the distillation of what's important in the kingdom of God, my friends. And I want to unpack it for you a little bit. John 15, verses 1 through 5. It says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Ouch. Even harder. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Oh, ouch. <laughs> but why does he prune? For those of you that know gardening, when you prune, more fruit comes. So that, the, that it may bear more fruit. And then it says, already you're clean. If we are in Christ, he has redeemed us. We are saved from our sins. We don't have to worry about that by the word uh, that he's spoken to us. But then he says this, and this is the punch. You ready? Abide in me, and I in you. Um, hang on just a second. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Did you get that? In other words, this make disciple stuff, we can't do on our own strength. We cannot do these things on our own strength. We need Christ in our life. We need to be walking and dwelling with him. Unless we abide in him, we cannot bear fruit. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from him, we can do what? Can you see it or is it too small on the screen? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So get this, okay? In Matthew, the culmination of the book, it says make disciples. But here he's giving you the key principle. You can't do that on your own. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
What does this mean for maybe your marriage or your school life? My wife and I, I said that we've been married 32 years. And you probably think we have a perfect marriage. Ha! <laughs> we are not the perfect couple. There are times, you know, we get a little tension in life. Does that happen to you? Any married couples out there, you get, you get some tension between the two of you? Or, or do you have roommates? Maybe you're younger and single and you're like not getting along with your roommate. Or at the workplace, you got challenges with a coworker. How do you deal with that? And when I'm angry at my wife, how do I treat her? Do you think I, I show the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness? See, when I'm living in my own strength, I will lash out in anger. And imagine what, what, kind of, what kind of example that is for my neighbors or my kids. If I'm blowing up at home and, and not acting with good character, and I'm treating her poorly just because I'm mad, that's not a good example of Christ. So, as I abide in Christ, He puts on me the fruit of the Spirit. And I become a conduit of His love. And so when I'm angry, the fruit of the Spirit comes through me and I can show kindness. Whether it's to my wife or her to me or in the workplace. When you're upset with one of your coworkers or your classmates or your neighbors, if you allow Jesus to be part of abiding in you, He will change your heart. He will change your attitude. He will change your perspectives. And you will live more and more like Him. Friends, this is the secret of life, that we would abide in Him. And if we abide in Him, we will bear much fruit. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the kingdom. We will see ministry flowing through the peoples we know. As we abide in Him, we will see our coworkers beginning to be curious about us and be curious about what's behind us. Why are, we, why are we like this? And why do we apologize when we're angry? This is part of the fruit of the Spirit when we abide in Christ. We can be more and more like Him. You know, uh, a pastor friend of mine was preaching last weekend and he referred to this passage and he, he had a great illustration of the vine and the grapes. You know, how you look at a vineyard and these kind of gnarly looking, you know, trunks of a tree sort of thing. And outside of that, who would have thought that these beautiful green or gray, um, uh, purple grapes would come out of that or even a, a bunch of them, right? And he says, you know, how does that work? He thought, oh, Maybe the branch, you know, that ugly looking branch, what they do is they, if they squeeze themselves real hard, it'll pop out a grape. Is that the way it works? If they squeeze the, the branch, boom, a grape will come out. Or maybe squeeze even harder and a whole group of grapes will come out, a whole bunch of them. You know that's not true, right? The principle of the vine is there a sap inside the wood? And that sap feeds the outer links of the vine, and that's where the fruit starts to grow. And the same is true for your life and mine. As we allow the sap 
of Jesus to fill the warts of our lives or the, the curves of our lives, the challenges of our lives. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I do know this. If you allow Jesus to fill you, he will help you meet those challenges. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. We sang about that this morning in this beautiful song that represents what we're talking about today. It's all about Jesus. He's the one, friends, that brings us life. We let him fill us up and we can overcome addictions. We let him fill us up and we can better work with our coworkers. We let him fill us up and, and the, the classmates that we don't like all of a sudden, we learn how to love our enemies. We let Him fill our hearts, and we treat our spouse better. So it's all about Jesus and our walk with Him. As we abide in Christ, we will become better disciples. You know, we put it this way uh, with our ministry. Let me show the next slide. I know this is a very American phrase, so I apologize for this. <laughs> we say we are all in with God. That, that means that I'm going to put my entirety into something. And so abiding in Christ is when we, we, we are go all in. We are completely in, totally immersed with God. And so as we are all in with God, as we are immersed in God, as we abide in Him, as we allow that sap to come through our lives, that's the secret sauce to change in your life and mine. As we walk deeply with Jesus, He will transform us from the inside out and we can become disciples of the people around us. Our character will be better. We'll be re reproducing others, and we'll see ministry flow. The more we are tapped into who He is, He is the answer, friends. And all that pressure, you know, that you feel from Matthew 28, go make disciples. Make disciples. The antidote to it or the strength of it is in the power of the other part of that verse. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's promise will never leave you. He is sitting beside you this very hour. He walks with you Monday through Friday in the workplace. He walks with you Monday through Saturday at school. He is always there for you to tap into. And as we abide in Him, we will bear much fruit. Let me tell you a story. Next slide. I want to tell you a story of a friend that's moved from burnout to thriving. And I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're like my friend here. Uh, we have a unique name for him. Some of you are too young to know who this guy is. Um, by guy, I mean the, the person they, they refer to him as. All of his best friends call him Saddam Hussein. So does anybody know who that is? Saddam? Okay, yeah. So... Um, the reason they call him Saddam, I didn't give him this name, but we all call him that. Um, and he's from a South Asian country that I can't talk about. Um, the reason they call him Saddam is if you get up close, his face looks literally like Saddam Hussein. And so we call this brother Saddam. 
<laughs> Isn't that interesting? And uh, Saddam didn't look like this uh, several years ago. He was the single most successful pastor in his country way back in the day. He had planted the most churches. He had one of the largest churches in the, in the country. Um, and he was the, the, the rock star, super, super pastor in the country. But he had a problem. He was facing burnout. He had come to the end of his rope. His marriage was falling apart. His children were not doing well. His churches were disintegrating and polarizing, and he didn't know what to do. And uh, you've heard about today the great wet resignation after the pandemic. How many people feel like quitting, you know, um, or quiet quitting. Sometimes they refer to things like that. This guy was on absolute burnout, completely done. And a good friend of mine knew him and said, Brother, I want to help you. And there's this new group coming into town for a couple of years. And, and I, I, wanted to, I think it could be a renewal for your life. And I really implore you to join. And the guy said, no, I'm done. I have no more energy, no more fuel in the tank, no more, no more gas in the fire. And uh, this guy said, please, please, please at least try. And after one year in this process, Brother Saddam had a wake-up call. You know what happens to us when we reach his age? At that, at that time, he was about 40. Um, he came to the realization that I have some good talents. I'm pretty good. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Maybe you're like that. You reach 40, 45, and you think, wow, I'm pretty good at my job. I'm a great teacher. I'm a great whatever. And the danger of that is we start to rely on our own strengths. And against this passage where we're taught to make disciples. Remember, what did that passage say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so the key to life and the key to ministry is abiding in the vine. And Brother Saddam had lost his first love. His time with Jesus started to diminish over time, and he was relying on his own strengths. And that's for sure going to lead to burnout. It will not sustain you in life or ministry or your marriage or school. We need help. And that's where Jesus comes in. And my friend Saddam, he started committing a little time again to his walk with God. And the little time grew and grew and grew, and God started transforming him once again. He renewed his love relationship with God, and in that, he started abiding in Christ. And the sap that goes through the, the, you know, the, the windy um, uh, tree that leads to the grapes started to fill him again. And his marriage that was on the verge of burnout was renewed. He and his wife started praying together. And God started to renew their marriage. Their kids were happy. In fact, you see this picture? I met him when he was 50 years old. And that's his wife up there. I don't know if you could see it. She looks pretty happy, doesn't she? <laughs> their life had turned completely around. And he came up to me and he said, Joe, since graduating from Asian Access, I have doubled the number of churches that I started years ago. 
But the beauty of these churches is the first 20 were unhealthy because a lot of them relied on our own strength. But the next 20 were healthy because we were dependent on Jesus. And he goes, you know, I only have about 10 more years to live according to Nepali timeline of lifespan. <laughs> Shorter there than here, I'm sure. And he goes, my dream is to plant 100 churches before I die. So he had planted 40 already. 20 of them were unhealthy. 20 were healthy. So that meant he was going to plant 60 churches in the next 10 years. That's crazy. I mean, I, I don't know many people that can do that. And, uh, but by God's grace, little by little, he's been seeing fruit. And he came up to me and he said this, I want to promise you something, Joe. Never again will I plant churches like I did in the first uh, 20 years or first 10 years. Those were unhealthy. And I want to make sure what's more important than the numbers I reach is that my walk with God is good and that I'm walking deeply in communion with Him. And as He changes my life, then we'll see healthy churches grow. Friends, this truth can be true for you too. As you head out today, whether you're heading to the mall or to lunch with the family or to a date with your wife or your husband or whether you're gearing up for the studies of this next week, um, whatever challenges you're facing, Jesus is here for you. We sung about it earlier today. Jesus is the one that can break through the darkness. Jesus is the one that can break you free of addictions or whatever challenges you're facing. Whatever conflicts you have in your marriage or, or your workplace, Jesus wants to be there for you. And the key, friends, to making disciples of all nations is abiding in Christ. As we walk deeply with Christ we will bear much fruit. As I walk deeper and deeper with Jesus, I treat my wife better. As I walk deeper and deeper with Jesus, I treat my children better. As I walk deeper and deeper with him, my life is filled with joy like Brother Saddam. So I want to leave you with a question today. Last slide. As you come to the end of the book of Matthew in these next few weeks, and God has charged you with making disciples of all nations, and you know from today that the key to this is having a deep, abiding relationship with God, and that apart from Him, I guarantee you, you can do nothing. So, the question to walk away with today, whether you're a student, a married couple, retired, in business, wherever you're at. How have you nurtured your love relationship with God? Because friends, I believe everything hinges on this. As we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. But apart from Him, we can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this truth and the, the ability to walk through uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And while Jesus has unpacked, or the Gospel writers unpacked, that Jesus is the Messiah, we know that the, that the core calling of our life 
whether we're in ministry or in the marketplace or in school, is to make disciples. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us always to the very end of the age. We pray, Lord, that everyone here would take uh, the temperature of their life and a study of how they're cultivating their life with you. And I pray that we could walk deeply with you and abide in you and know that Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the one that can break through the darkness. Jesus can help us with our conflicts in marriages and, and co-workers and, and class, classwork. Um, Lord, I pray that we would capture this idea and that we could walk deeper and deeper with you so that we could fulfill that call you have in our life to make disciples of all nations. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.